Hi, you're listening to the Mutual Audio Network. And no, we're not trying to sell you anything. The following audio drama is rated G, which means it's perfectly safe for folks and families of all ages. Yes, even Grandma. Enjoy. And now, Dakota Ring Theater presents the continuing adventures of Canada's greatest superhero, that scourge of the underworld, hunter of those who prey upon the innocent, that marvelous masked mystery man known only as the Red Panda! The Red Panda, mysterious crusader for justice, hides his true identity of August Fenwick, one of the city's wealthiest men, in his never-ending battle against crime and corruption. Only his wife and partner, Kit Baxter Fenwick, who joins him in his quest in the guise of the Flying Squirrel, knows who wears the mask of the Red Panda. This episode, Nightshade. Ah, good evening, Herr Eidelman. Ah, yes. Good evening, Captain Proust. I hope I did not startle you. No, not at all. I was simply... Lost in dot. Mm, you are retiring early. Was that? Yes, I thought I might. To tell the truth, I have found the flight a little unsettling this time. I am sorry to hear that, sir. You find the ship not to your liking. Oh, far from it, Captain. I wish no offense. If anything, I find her even more comfortable than the Graf, which I have flown many times. No, I am afraid that the problem is myself. I am too preoccupied to enjoy the long flight as it should be. Mm. It has been a long crossing, sir, and the weather has made it dull, I am sure. But I promise that the spectacle of New York City unfolding before you tomorrow will be well worth the wait. Danke, Air Captain. You have been most kind. I wish you good night. Good night, Herr Eidelmann. Hello, Richard. Who is that? How did you get in my cabin? If you find yourself incapable of using even a little of your imagination, you might think to turn on the light. You. That's right. Are you really as surprised as you look? No one can be that naive. It is impossible. You cannot be... The sheep is... I saw nothing. That is what you might expect to see when I choose it. You know that, Richard. What are you doing here? If they suspect... They sent me, darling. What are you saying? That is impossible. Not impossible. Just impossibly awkward. Always sticky when you're sent to kill a friend. And we were so much more than friends, weren't we, Richard? No. Why are you doing this? You're not even German. (laughs) Neither are you. I was born in Germany, as was my father and his father... An accident of birth, as far as the leadership is concerned... And that is why you run to the Americans, is it not, Richard? You know how much worse it will get for your people, and you want nothing to do with it. Perhaps you are even enough of a fool to think you can stop it. How did you get here? You didn't board at Frankfurt. I was supplied with a copy of the very same prototype you stole. Used it to hop up from a steamer last night. But that is incredibly dangerous. You could have killed us all. No, Richard. Just you. Stay back. Nothing that lives can withstand the kiss of deadly nightshade. Uh, 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 No. Uh, uh, 
Mr. Mister. You seem lost in thought. Nah, uh, I was just noticing something. What's that? That if you stare out a window at the inside of a cloud long enough... Yes? It still looks exactly like the inside of a cloud. A zeppelin crossing is usually much more exciting than this. It would almost have to be. If it's any consolation, I'm sure our luggage is having a great time coming back in our stateroom on the ocean liner. Sorry. There wasn't much time to improvise, and this was the fastest way out of Germany. And we did need the fastest way. Hmm, you're telling me. If the Nazis had got their mitts on the red panda and the flying squirrel... They'd have wanted this amulet back, just for starters. Flashing that around. You'll open up a dimensional portal or something. Kit, not everything ancient and powerful opens up dimensional portals. Yes, but we're not talking about you right now. <laughs> Ouch! How are you going to get that past customs? I haven't the foggiest idea. All right, then. I had rather assumed the Council of Mages would have sent someone to collect it. They aren't exactly restricted by the fact that we're in midair. I hate doing dirty work for those people. Fortunately, you love annoying the Nazis. There is that. Well, I am sorry that we missed the ocean passage home. Don't be. I got queasy on the first trip, remember? Mm. And there was that diamond robbery on board. Ah, yes. And the ghost murders in London, and the art swindle at the Louvre. And capped off with a little otherworldly espionage for the Council of Mages. It's been quite the honeymoon. I think we spent most of our time in masks. Makes me wonder what we've been missing at home. Apparently it's been fairly quiet. You've been getting reports? Only every few days. Why didn't you mention this? Because they weren't very interesting. And we were rather busy, and in spite of a full roster of international crime fighting, I did have one or two other things on my mind. Hmm. Yes, boss. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, excuse us. It's all right. We're married. See the rings? Of course. I beg your pardon. <laughs> See the rings? You're still new at this wedded bliss business, aren't you? What? Who was that? Don't change the subject. I'm mid-playful banter. No, uh, but that woman. What about her? Well, there can't be more than, what, 35, 40 passengers? Hmm, something like that. So why haven't I seen that woman before? Shocking. It's almost as if you were on your honeymoon and prone to distraction. Have you seen that woman before? I only have eyes for you. Very velvet, very nice. Thank you. And try to relax. I know there's been a lot of excitement, but we're in the home stretch. Nothing more can go wrong. Remember where you were when you said that. Werner, you will feel like a very silly boy in a moment. Oh, I hope so, Hercubis. So what if some passengers like to sleep late? They are on holiday, Werner. I know that, Hercubis. It is still early. Why should you be upset if one passenger doesn't answer his wake-up call? It has been a long trip for all of us. Why shouldn't we let the man sleep? I told you, Hercubis. Herr Edelman does not sleep late. Every morning I have come to wake him, and every morning he has been up and dressed before I knocked. He seemed... Seems what? Afraid of something, sir. He told you this? No, sir. I'm just the cabin boy. But I know what I see. And I see a boy with too much imagination. Please, sir. All right. Herr Eidelmann. Herr Eidelmann, this is the steward. Are you quite well, sir? Strange. I told you, sir. Herr Eidelmann. I'm coming in, sir. 
Sir, are you... Oh, my. What is it? Oh, is he... Werner, I think you ought to fetch Dr. Rudinger quite quickly. Tell him that Herr Eidelmann is dead. Mind if I join you? What's that? Oh, it's you. Your friend left in such a hurry. I thought it might give us a chance to talk. My husband. Yes, of course. And the ship's doctor was having breakfast with us. The cabin boy came to get him, and my husband went along. He tries not to show it, but I think he's a little bored. I find that difficult to imagine. It's been a long flight. Has it? What does that mean? They say we should be able to see Boston by noon. <laughs> if the clouds ever break. Oh, they can't last forever. Really? That is interesting. What is? I mentioned to my husband that I couldn't remember seeing you before last night. Is that so? I certainly didn't see you get on at Frankfurt. There are a lot of people on board. No, there aren't. For a day or two it might have seemed that way, but when you see the same faces at dinner every night... Perhaps I've been ill. You like playing games. And you don't. Right. Because you aren't very good at them? Because I can't stand smug little kittens that think they are. I like you. Thanks. So how'd you do it? How did I do what? It's a ride on a moving zeppelin. You're awfully funny, you know that? We've been fighting headwinds and lousy weather the entire trip. No one who'd been on board the whole time wouldn't agree that it'd been a long flight. Or have said the clouds couldn't last forever. So how'd you do it? You're quite mad. I think you need the doctor yourself. Stow it, sister. It'll get you no soap. So I see. Going somewhere, princess? I got what I came for. I wanted to know if you were just arm candy or if you were a player, too. What is that supposed to mean? It means the newly read routine is out the window, dear. Aside from that awkward bit with the rings, when he left the table just now, you called him Mr. Mister. And last night in the lounge, I'm certain that I heard you call him Boss. It's a pet name. The worst I've ever heard. I've been in communication with my employers. I know that you aren't who you pretend to be. That must mean that you're the ones that I want. Or at least, he is. Who? Your boss. Sorry, dear, I don't have time to deal with a girl Friday, even a talented one. Tell him that I know he is not a honeymooning billionaire, which means he must be Edelman's contact. Edelman didn't have the item, so he must. I am authorized to make a deal. What kind of a deal? Either an immensely profitable one, or the last offer he will ever reject. The choice is entirely his. It's all right, Heinrich. He's with me. Thank you. I will call you if I need you. Sorry to ruffle feathers, Doctor. Not at all, my dear boy. I understand a little morbid curiosity, if you will. It must seem exciting after such a dull voyage. Yes, quite. They said Adelman's body was in the corner of the... Oh, my. Yes, indeed. Quite an expression of abject horror on his face. Yes. Poor man must have known the end was coming. Perhaps. 
You will excuse me, August? Of course, Kurt, of course. Did the steward say they had moved the body at all? What's that? Uh, no. No, he said that they had not touched a thing. Interesting. Hmm? That he should put himself in such a position, curled up like that in the corner of his cabin, with two walls at his back, as if he were trapped somehow. Trapped? Don't be absurd. It's quite plain that he was not trapped. He might have believed himself to be so, hence the look of terror on his face. An interesting theory, my friend. But I consider it much more likely that he became disoriented while suffering some sort of heart failure. Heart failure? But Herr Edelman was a young man and quite fit. Sadly, that does not always give the whole picture. Mm, I suppose not. But look, just there, at that red, discolored area on his neck, and again on his hands... It... it looks to be a rash of some kind. And it seems like he had been sweating profusely before he died. It does. So that would not be unheard of in cardiac cases. Forgive me, Kurt, but could I trouble you to check the dead man's pupils? His pupils? But this is absurd. You have humored me thus far. I have no right to expect you to continue to do so, but nonetheless... Nonetheless, you would like me to check the dead man's pupils. In a nutshell. I will humor you, my friend, but only because you are a passable whist player, and your wife is most distractingly handsome. And I thank you on both fronts. But this is... This is... Yes? The pupils are extremely dilated. Almost as if... As if what? Ah, I should not. There would be a most terrible scandal. For heaven's sakes, Doctor, a man is dead. Pull yourself together. It is not so easy as you imagine. I am the ship's doctor, not a coroner or an investigator. I hand out motion sickness pills to socialites, and precious few of those... The captain will not want to be delayed on the return voyage, and the company would not wish to relinquish authority to the American police. You think Herr Edelman's condition was caused by some sort of narcotic? Yeah, perhaps. Most opiates will cause the sort of dilation of the pupils that you see here. Is that not what you suspected? Not quite. There is something else that might have caused the same effect, together with the hallucinations that terrified Edelman. It would explain the rash and even the heart failure... My friend, if you have any theory that will keep this matter from further scandal, I would be most grateful. Don't thank me yet, Kurt. I think you have a murderer on board. Ah, uh, a murderer? And one that kills with a most insidious poison. A concentrated form of deadly nightshade. You are listening to the Red Panda Adventures from Decoder Ring Theatre. Your address for adventure... Mystery and comedy. How did it go? I might have been able to convince one captain, perhaps as many as two if neither of them were German, but there happened to be five men with the rank of captain on this flight. But Captain Bruce... Reports to his directors who report to the German government. They've been circling the Lakehurst base for hours, waiting for orders. It's difficult to tell who is guarding secrets and who is just protecting their job. But there will be no investigation, nor will the return flight be delayed at all. So they're taking Edelman's body... Back to Germany. Did you happen to mention our mysterious lady in black? In fact, I didn't. 
Do you mind my asking why and Blaze is not? You mean aside from the fact that I've been attracting rather a lot of attention to my secret identity as it is, to say nothing of the fact that I'm wearing an ancient amulet the Nazis have already killed six men for? And wouldn't mind adding us to the list, all right? Fair point. Thank you. So what do we do? Given the importance that the Nazis seem to attach to this little trinket, I'm wondering if we can really afford to get involved in another mystery. Mm, that doesn't sound like you. A man is dead, and it's never mattered before that we didn't know him. You're right. I just wonder how much longer we can hold the moral high ground every time we leave the lair. There is a storm gathering, Squirrel, and I'd be lying if I said I knew what was going to happen when it breaks at last. If it helps to make up your mind for you, I don't get the impression that little Miss Matahari is going to let us ride this one out. She thinks we've got whatever goodies Edelman was sneaking to America, that we're his contacts, whatever that means. At least she doesn't think we're actually ourselves. No, she seems pretty sure we're anyone but. Your nomenclature issues seem to have saved us there. That's right. Wait, my what? Kit, you've got to admit... You don't really know what to call me. Boss is fine when we're in character. It's got a ring to it, actually. But when we're not wearing masks, it's just a parade of uncomfortable nicknames. Well, August Fenwick is kind of a mouthful of marbles. Thank you. Why don't you use the nickname I had as a boy? Which was? Augie. Dear God, no. At school, they called me Fen. That's actually a little worse. Well, you work on that. In the meantime, we need to know what we supposedly have that our mystery murderess wants. Then we have to find it. Find what? Exactly. I'm not sure I follow. That's it. What is? Boss, I mean... Er, never mind what I mean. Have you met that vaudeville actor on board? Joseph Spa? Yes, what about him? He's got a dog down below that he's bringing back for his kids. He's been down to visit her so many times, the crew lets him go on his own. Through the superstructure, alone. Or so he thought. If Edelman had followed him down, he could have hidden something. Maybe taken it from his own luggage and moved it, just in case it were searched. Which it evidently was. It's an interesting idea, Kit. But we've no idea what we're looking for, and it's a big ship. Edelman seemed a little skittish. I don't think he'd have strayed far down there. If I'm careful and quiet, of which I am both, I can make a quick search of promising-looking hiding spots. And what am I doing all this while? You've got to see a lady about a deal. Is this seat taken? You're very well-mannered. Well, one tries. I would have expected you to be more upset that I'd rumbled your little game. I try to keep these things in perspective. It was a very good cover. What were the odds that there'd be someone on board who could confirm that August Fenwick was, at this moment, checked in on the passenger list of the Star of the North? Hmm. Some billionaires have all the fun. Don't they just? You certainly do answer a description, though, don't you? Let me get a look at you. Flawless. Absolutely flawless. Thank you. A little too flawless, if you ask me. I'm sorry? I had wondered who would be fearless enough to try a stunt like this. Now I'm quite sure. Is that so? I have heard tell of a man whose powers of disguise are as unparalleled as his audacity. So much so that no one knows what his true face looks like. That's a nice trick if you can manage it. It is indeed. I'm surprised to find you working for the Americans. Why? Who should I be working for? New York is a long way from Australia, Mick Sweeney. Well, I... 
Did you say Brian McSweeney? Brian Mc... Man of a thousand faces? That is what they say. <laughs> At least you don't play coy. Let's talk about you, shall we? Why not? Since we're already halfway through the introductions... Oh, no. You don't get me that easily. You can call me Deadly Nightshade. Subtle. Sharing a name with your preferred poison. A calling card. If you like. Why are you working for the Nazis? The same reason you're working for the Yanks. They're paying me. What makes you so certain that I'm working for the Americans? Because that's who Edelman was running to. He's been a confidential agent for years. We've played the game before, both as friends and rivals. But lately the German government has been a little less open to freelancers. And Edelman could see the writing on the wall. He stole the prototype and made tracks. But his masters were quicker than he thought. A fast ship was dispatched, bearing yours truly, and managed to catch up last night. Last night? How did you get on board? With a second version of the very same experimental device Edelman had helped himself to. Ironic, don't you think? Then you were a new arrival, just as... Just as my assistant had thought. Oh, yes. The girl Friday. A necessary prop, I'm sure. When the device was not among Edelman's effects, I knew that he must have a contact on board started looking for likely suspects. This prototype, it must be a device capable of flight. Please, McSweeney. We've been having such a lovely conversation. Why spoil it by playing games? I know that you have the device. And you have a general idea of what I'm willing to do to get it. There's another mission on the boards that pays ten times what this one does. And I'm quite keen to get on with it. Give me the prototype and I'll cut you in on both jobs. And what would my employers think of that? Don't make me laugh. I know your reputation. This job could be dangerous, and I could use a man of your obvious... talents. Dear me, the stick and the carrot. Well, it's no joke. Thirty-six hours ago, one of these self-styled mystery men you hear so much about broke into a secret German laboratory and helped himself to an ancient bronze medallion about this big... He's believed to be heading overland, probably to England. The bounty on that medallion is enormous, and backed by no less than the chief scientific advisor to the German Reich, Friedrich von Schlitz. Von Schlitz? Absurd, the man... That is... I'd heard he was dead. Dear me, we are out of the loop, aren't we? So it would appear. Von Schlitz is mad for every bit of mystic mumbo-jumbo he can lay his hands on. It's a boom market for treasure hunters, and it's not often that we bona fide cutthroats get to play. Tell me about the amulet. Nothing to tell. It's old, it's bronze, and we have to kill a man called the Red Panda to get it. You don't know what it does. What it does? It does nothing, McSweeney. It's a hunk of metal. But if Hitler's chief flunky says it's supposed to stop clocks, it's his money. Stop clocks? Oh, Lord, you are one for the details, aren't you? The rumor is that it allows the wearer to control time by the force of his will. That seems far-fetched. It does, doesn't it? There's no sense being naive, darling. Their agendas aren't our own. The world's gone to blazes, and only those with the sense to cash in will survive. Well, never mind. You have nightshade to show you the ropes now. But first we'll have to rid ourselves of a certain little red-headed bit of set-dressing, won't we? 
I don't mind working with the competition, but even I have my limits. Where is she now? Now? She's standing right behind you. You? Ten minutes ago, on the other hand, she was putting her paws on a certain hidden Nazi rocket pack. What is this? You shut up now. Nobody stupid enough to land a rocket on a big tub of hydrogen gets to talk to me. It's an interesting point. Don't be stupid. I cut the engines and glided down. And then murdered a man. And we might not be able to compel an investigation into that, but we can certainly turn you over to the Americans when the ship lands. What makes you so certain of that? This does. My mind is in your mind. What? What? What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? Scrambling her memories of us. I don't want to interfere with an investigation, but this has been a little... Close for comfort. No. No. Stop. She's a feisty one, ain't she? <sighs> you were saying? What was that? Some sort of flash bomb. She had the willpower to use it and break free. Come on. She went through the hatch to the luggage. We'll be on the ground in moments. If she gets away... She won't if you hustle, Gus. Gus? Now, we've been told that the airship is going to make an attempted landing in the rain. And if that is the case, we're going to have a mind to find a description of, you because, uh, of it for you because the men will have a difficulty in keeping footing in the sand, and especially since it's wet. Now, the structure is light and yet so strong in the Hindenburg. From the ground as the ship passes, we can see the passenger quarters. They're located just about a third of the distance back of the nose and just about a third of the distance from the keel. <sighs> Which way did she go? Up these steps. Hurry. Where does she think she's going? There's no way off this bucket. Except the way she got on this bucket. You mean, but if she lights up that rocket pack... Come on. So it's many sections, up and down along the aluminum alloy girders, over the catwalks which lead from one area to another, and then you see a, a maze of bright metal girders everywhere. And after a walk through the ship, you're ready to rest where you've covered a great amount of space, and you realize that you have traveled a great distance. There she is. Nightshade! Hold it right there. No. No, I don't know who you are, what you are, but she won't take me! Oh. Yes. The rocket! Close, girl! Run! You cannot run the... What the... Kit! Run! The hydrogen started to blow and then it just... It just stopped! I don't understand! Run! Boss, are you seeing this? It's, it's like a fireball just, just hanging there. It's hardly moving. But how? I think I'm doing it. Doing what? The amulet. The amulet slows time? Mm. Can you put it back? Can you stop it? I don't even know how I'm doing this. Run! Not without you. Come on. We've got to get to the second rocket pack. Well, here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. We're out now, outside of the hangar. And what a great sight it is. A thrilling one. It's a marvelous sight. It's coming down out of the sky, pointed directly towards us and toward the mooring mass. The mighty diesel motors just roared. The propeller's biting into the air and throwing it back into a gale-like whirlpool. No wonder this great floating palace can travel through the air at such a speed with these powerful motors behind it. Here. Hold on. Gotta strap us in. <clears throat> this thing wasn't built for two. Kit, please hurry. I can't hold back the blast. Yeah, I noticed that creeping up on us. Hurry. Don't be a backseat driver. Just hang on. How are we going to get through the ship's outer skin? I thought I'd worry about that in two seconds. Here goes nothing. 
It's starting to rain again. It, the rain had uh, crashed up a little bit. The back motors of the ship are just holding it uh, just enough to keep it from... It's burst into flames. It's burst into flames and it's falling. It's crashing. Watch it. Get this started, get this started. It's and it's rising. It's rising terrible. Oh my, get out of the way, please. It's running and bursting into flames and and it's falling on the morning fast and all the folks between it. This is terrible. This is one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's it's, 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 it's racing. Twenty oh four or five hundred feet into the sky. It, it's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now and the flame is crashing to the ground, not quite to the mooring mass of the humanity and all the fans are just screaming around here. I don't do it. I can't even talk to people. Good morning. What the... Relax. You're alive. You just got knocked out when we landed. We're, uh, in a stand of trees a few miles from Lakehurst. The ship? What about the Hindenburg? I don't have a lot of details. It's bad, though. We tried to bring Nightshade to justice for one murder, and she may very well have killed everyone on board. Not our finest hour. Think she could have survived? I have a feeling that we haven't seen the last of her. How are we supposed to explain getting off that ship? We're supposed to be on a much different ship right now, remember? We'd better catch a train and meet the Queen of the North when she comes into port. And then home again for some nice, quiet crime-fighting? If you like. But if there's a murder on the train, I quit. (laughs) Yes, Gus. concludes another adventure of the Red Panda. This recording and the story, characters, and situations contained therein are the exclusive property of their creator and copyright holder, Greg Taylor, and are produced and distributed by Decoder Ring Theatre through arrangement with him. These recordings may not be rebroadcast or redistributed by any means for any reason without express permission. Until next time, when Decoder Ring Theatre brings you the further thrilling adventures of Canada's greatest superhero, this is Stephen Burley reminding you DecoderRingTheatre.com is your address to adventure! The Red Panda Adventures, episode 49, Nightshade, was written and directed by Greg Taylor with original music by Andrea Lyons and featured the vocal talents of Patty Rosenbank, Brian Vaughn, Andrea Lyons, Christopher Mott, Kevin Robinson, Clarissa Denetta Landon, and Greg Taylor. Until next time, for all of us here, good night. Apparently, you enjoy listening to audio dramas since you're hearing this message. I'll keep it short so you can get back to the fun stuff. If you would like to see and experience how all these stories, voices, sound effects, and music come together to create theater of the mind, make plans to visit the Modern Audio Drama Convention in Halifax, Nova Scotia, July 24th through 26th, 2020. Meet the creators. Find out how to write, record, mix, sweeten, and produce movies that play in your head. See what the voices you hear actually look like. We never look like we sound. For all the details, visit madcon.com. That's M-A-D, as in modern audio drama, then dash, as in dash on over, then con, as in convention, duh, then dot, as in it'll be the most fun you've had in a while, period, then com, as in come on over, we'll love to see you. Madcon. 
Your ears and brain will thank you.